is today. Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. This is gonna be great! <laughs> Alright everyone, let's do this. So one thing that has happened to me over and over my entire music, professional music career are, I mean it's always happening, these nightmares. Now, I'm not talking about nightmares where I'm being chased you know, by some evil entity and um, and I'm not I'm not in these things worried for my life. These are not the kind of nightmares. But what I've been experiencing something much worse. So here's a typical nightmare that I have, which happens so every few weeks I'd say, and they vary from nightmare to nightmare in terms of locations and scenarios like that. But they are basically the same. So here it is. I'm at a very big concert. It could be an arena. It could be a festival. It could be a large church, you know, a, a big important church function, something like that. And I go on stage with the band and we start playing. And here's where it, it goes. I, I Here's where it goes south and becomes a nightmare because I don't know any of the songs the band's playing. I'm out there, front and center, supposed to be singing, playing and I don't know what's going on. I don't know why the band isn't playing the right songs. I don't know the songs. They don't know the songs I know. It's So I have to improvise. And it goes poorly every time. Um, and then there's this helpless feeling. And it's the worst. And I have all these people looking at me, waiting for me to sing the song or play the guitar or do something. But I have no clue what these songs are. And they're nothing that I had prepared for, which isn't like me to not prepare. So if we're talking nightmares, give me the, the Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Pennywise nightmare where they're chasing me, trying to kill me because, uh, you know, I'd rather have that than be the helpless person on stage, not knowing what's going on. It's, it's the worst. And it happens very often. I wake up just like, Oh boy. So this all leads into this yesterday, my friend Ron Brandt, from Illinois. He was in the Chicago experience with me, perfect strangers, close friend. He sent me this video that I love. And it pretty much is my nightmare. But this happens in real life to one of the best vocalists of our time. So this video is Patti LaBelle singing This Christmas at the National Christmas Tree Lighting in 2016. So I'm going to play it. So if for those who you're just streaming this and uh, you're not watching it on YouTube or Facebook or anything like that, I'll, I'll kind of explain things. So um, it starts out with Patty Lel Bell being kind of introduced, and and there's a point where she comes out kind of like, uh oh, I'm not, I'm in the wrong place. So there seems to be a timing issue already. Like it's confusing. I'm th I'm thinking like. There was a lot of details left out. It was unorganized. So she comes out, she leaves, she's introduced, and she finally comes out. And and the weird thing is, 
is as she comes out, the like usually when something like this happens, you have everybody behind you, your, your background singers and all this stuff. So she starts singing, and she's looking around like, what's going on? I can tell right now she's like, what's happening? She motions to the guy holding the slides. I know what she's going through right now. Because this past week, uh, I did the, the third song of the set at church was God With Us by Mercy Me. Luckily, I know that song inside and out. One of the few. <laughs> but... As soon as we started the song, no slides, no no confidence monitor for me, no lyrics. So I'm like, oh, we're just doing this the old-fashioned way, right? And I was able to to get through the first verse and chorus before the slides came up. So I, and at that point, I'm like, I hope I I hope I don't screw this up, because then it looks like it's me. Like a lot of times, the the slides get messed up, and I sing the wrong thing. It's because it was up there. I'm like Ron Burgundy sometimes. Anyways, let's continue with this. She said, I'll add the ball again. Why isn't her back, like, this was so unorganized, it looks like her background, the background singers didn't even come out at the time, like, I don't know, it's confusing. By the way, the background singers are in trouble when this is over, I guarantee you it. I love the look at her face. She's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I can watch this over and over. And eventually her background singers come out. She's so good, though, that She's carrying it. She's doing much better than I would. That's why she's Patty LaBelle and I'm not. But here's something that I've noticed too. Her background singers have a music stand with lyrics. One of them should go over and, and put it in front of her so at least she has the right lyrics all the time. She is just over this right now. But I'm I'm sure that in prepping this, they're like, you have to say this guy who's going to play the sax solo. And she's like, just give me the card. Let me say it. Also, the band does her no favors. Like, they don't stop. I don't know if they were told, once you start, regardless what happens, you never stop. But This this is almost over. Don't worry about it. Like, I love this so much. Although I should worry me because if it can happen to her, superstar, it definitely can happen to me. I can't make those pretty ad libs though and make it sound like she meant to do it. So it's over. 
not a lot of people clapping. They're like, what just happened? What did we just listen to? But I, I don't know. I just love the video a lot. But anyways, let's go from that Christmas song <laughs> to the Christmas song we're going to be doing the devotional about. So a couple weeks ago, I kicked off the series on the Christmas Carol devotionals uh, with Joy to the World. And uh, we learned that the song was written about the second coming of Christ, not the birth of Christ. So it wasn't Isaac Watts didn't intend it to be a Christmas song, but it just kind of turned into one. And it's an awesome one. Then we had uh, talked about last week, O Tannenbaum, or the English translation, which is O Christmas Tree. And then I kind of briefly expounded on the, you know, the four origin stories uh, regarding the beginning of why we use the Christmas tree today. And so we had the Egyptian origin where they used palm branches. Seemed like a stretch that they decorated their house with, you know, for their gods, whatever. Then the St. Boniface uh, origin where he chopped down the oak tree and it killed everything except for a fir tree because... They were worshiping the god of the oak trees, which was Thor. And he said, no, the only true god is um, the Lord. That whole thing. Um, and then we had uh, the paradise tree origin where there was a bunch of bakers and they used Christmas trees and they hung stuff on it to symbolize the Garden of Eden and all that bunch of stuff like that um, and the paradise tree that they ate from. And then there's the Martin Luther story where he was out in the woods following the and he got lost. He followed the um, Christmas star and got home, and then he started decorating a tree. That kind of thing. I hope it was clear enough, although I doubt it was, because I needed a long time to explain all those, and I didn't, and it's, it's my fault. Anyways, if you want to go back and listen to it, feel free. It's there. So today, I want to talk about O Come, Emmanuel. So I did it this past week, that song, um, and at the end of service. And I tried to explain what I was, what I wanted to say, but here's the thing. Sometimes at the end of service, when it comes to the last song, depending on how long the message was, what message, can't even speak. The message was great. It wasn't too long, but sometimes I'm like, man, people just want to leave. And I, like, I'm trying to read the room and sometimes I feel like the room's like, all right, wrap it up. I didn't feel that totally, but I don't want to sit here and drone on for an hour. You don't want that either. So I said real quick, my little piece on it, but. Um, I really want to expand on it and, and, uh, and really explain what I was trying to say. So here's what I want to say in length. Okay. So we have very joyous, upbeat songs like the joy to the world, hark the herald, deck the halls, all these kind of Christmas songs that happen. Mariah Carey's all I want for you. There's a lot of Christmas songs that are happy, upbeat and all this stuff. But this song was written for the hurting. So if we go back, the song was written in 1851 by Thomas Helmore. And instead of writing this fun and upbeat, joyous song, he writes a hymn that also doubles as a prayer for the first and the second coming in Christ. It, ta it um, talks about the feelings, the thoughts, the pain of, of old Israel longing for that coming Messiah. Now, I think... Uh, Thomas did a great job of kind of capturing the atmosphere of Israel at the time. But he wrote this, obviously, after the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So he also includes the hope of the second coming for us as well in this song. So in Israel back then, they had already heard 
the prophecy of the Messiah being born a virgin girl, yet they had to wait for it to happen. So in Isaiah 7:14 it said, "Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See the virgin will conceive, have a son and name him Emmanuel." And then Isaiah 9:6-7 said, "For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So they knew that prophecy. They just had to wait, which is hard when things are bad, when you're suffering, when you're oppressed. So let's kind of look at the lyrics and, and kind of break it down. So, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. So right there it says that Israel is held captive. And then the next part says that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. So already we're, we're talking a Christmas song that's talking about being held captive, that they're mourning in lonely exile waiting for the Son of God to appear. And then second verse is, O come thou rod of Jesse, free thine own Satan's tyranny, from depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory over the grave. And so this particular verse references Isaiah 11.1, 1, when talking about the rod of Jesse. They will sh So that's um, Isaiah 11.1, 1, Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Then if we look at the third verse, O come thou day spring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy t clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. So this again is referencing Luke 178, which is, Because our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us. Then in the fourth verse, O come thou key of David, Come, and open wide our heavenly home. Mark safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. And this verse is Isaiah 22, 22. I will place on his shoulders the key of the house of David, that he opens no one can shut, and when he shuts no one can open. Now, as we go through each verse, it paints kind of a sad picture of reality. Yet, each verse is followed by a chorus where they say, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. So, because the, the reason why there's that chorus of rejoice is because that is Jesus. That is who he is. This is a song about us before coming to know Christ knowing what he has done, and waiting while knowing what he will do. So with every verse and chorus, the song musically kind of reaches down into our weak hearts and pulls us up. It does to me, at least. Um, it, it, it pulls me up in faith to see the good and, and certain end of our worldly struggles. Song is, or it should be, so relatable to us because if we look around, death is still here right now. Disease still exists here. Satan still prowls the earth. Trouble still exists in our lives. 
all these things we deal with here on earth are real. And there's no getting around that. But we must continue to wait, but wait in faith. Romans 8.23 says, not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan with ourselves eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. It says right there, we also groan. This life is hard a lot of times. We go through things. We groan. We hurt. We mourn. We struggle. And I'm so glad that there are songs like this at Christmas because even though a lot of people just think this is a fun and amazing, exciting season, which it is, many people struggle. And, and a lot of people have lost loved ones during this time of the year. And, and as a matter of fact, I was reading an article which said that uh, 3.7 million people will die during Advent worldwide. Half a million being children. And that's about 105 people every minute. Most of them die without hope. And only a handful of them make the news. Like if there was some big terrorist uh, event where people were killed or, or something like that that's news, newsworthy. But the majority of those deaths will, will kind of die unknown to the world with the exceptions of those few close loved ones near them. And so to those families, the idea of singing a joyous song doesn't appeal to them. And, and I can't say I blame them. Even though as believers, regardless of our circumstance, we should worship, sing, and praise in the midst of that storm, I know that it can also be very hard. And I think that there's that's why there's songs like this, which we can reflect sorrow and a sense of crying out to the Lord, while also knowing the good that will eventually follow when we get to spend eternity with them. So this past Sunday, when I was trying to explain, I'm like, this, this song is all done in a minor key. Because it is supposed to be, it's supposed to be sad. It's supposed to be taking into account the feel of Israel at that time. Yet, it also relates to us now when we're going through things. Because we can be down. We can be sad. We can be struggling. Yet, we can also have that faith and hope in Christ. Because we know, we, we, we have the privilege of knowing Jesus now, knowing what he had done for us, knowing that he died to save us, from, knowing that we are redeemed, that we're just waiting for him to return. So in a way, we're still waiting, like I said earlier, but we wait already knowing the end game, which is pretty awesome. So hopefully that's something that the song, next time you listen to it, you can really think about that. Think about what's going on in your life. Think about what's going on in Israel at that time, how this whole waiting game plays out. And uh, and share this with someone that you love or care about. Like I said, you sh if you went out and shared about Joy to the World, shared about Oh Christmas Tree, then share about this. This, is, this will get you a little deeper. So Joy to the World was like icebreaker. And then Oh Christmas Tree. Hey, did you know the origin of the Christmas tree? Now this, now you get to get deep with them. Talk about Jesus and the hope that he brings and, and, and how we can relate to it now. So um, hopefully you do that. So share this and uh, I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time.